0: Hello and welcome to the Early Years Conversations podcast takeover with me, Liz Pemberton, back again for some more exciting conversation um, and some more deep digging into the area of anti-racist practice in the early years um, and tackling all things elephant in the room, not wanting to say what you think you should say or not being sure about is this the right thing to say? Is this the wrong term to use? Um, And today I'm really, really happy to be joined by two fantastic women who I connected with via the powers of Instagram um verinda and tanzimar i just want to kind of do a big woo woo and and let these ladies introduce themselves so um verinda do you want to tell the listeners who you are and what you why you're here and what you do
1: (laughs) okay so my name is verinda core um i connected with liz over instagram her um Instagram page was promoted by another practitioner and the Instagram handle really caught my attention and um, the black nursery manager had a look at Liz's profile and I saw the work she was doing and I felt that it really resonated with myself um being a young Sikh brown educator in the early years and across primary school um years I really wanted to sort of converse and explore more about the race, culture, religion, the identity and the facilitation or lack of facilitation in the education setting and see what we can do to tackle it
2: and um, dig a little deeper.
0: Fantastic, thanks Farinda. Um, And Tanzima?
2: So my name's Tanzima Chowdhury and I'm a British Bangladeshi woman. I am an early years educator um, and i 'm based in the west midlands um, i 've been always interested in anti racism and promoting racial uh, equality um, and just fighting for social change it's something i 've been really interested in but for some reason there 's been a massive disconnect of me actually doing the work in my workplace and bringing all of that knowledge and all the tools that i 've learned over the years into my actual workplace and again because of your platform and because of all these conversations that have been generated and because of Kerry and Kay and uh, other people who are fighting for racial equality especially in the education settings, Um, it just made me reflect on my own practice and that what am I doing, how am I uh, generating change, how am I bringing about positivity uh, for the future generations, for the black and brown children in my uh, setting Um, and yeah it's just made me really reflect on Am I doing enough? Am I doing anything at all? And how I can uh, bring in that conversation in my own workplace
0: uh, and
2: just, yeah, just promote it really.
0: Fantastic. I think it's such a great opportunity to have these kinds of conversations and really being open and honest. And I know there are two words that are really overused, but open and honest conversations across culture, across race, across faith but also as we slip into this place where people want to put us in this one size fits all term bane which is the bane of my life I hate it's a really good opportunity to talk about why I think as an opener that term is so problematic and and so unhelpful um, and I know verinza like we kind touched on that when we were kind of initially speaking but What are your thoughts on BAME as a term?
1: Um, As we spoke the other weekend, you know, when you mentioned how, like, the title is so it's quite narrow, but really, if you look at it, we've got Asian, but under Asian, you've got uh, you'll have Chinese, you'll have Indian, you'll have Pakistani, but then you have Sikh, you have Hindi, you have Muslim, then and then black, you have black um, people from different backgrounds, so it's so narrow i mean but yeah it's so broad. so it doesn't really cater mm-hmm. for all of us who are mm-hmm. come under that term if that mm-hmm. makes sense um
0: totally.
1: so yeah i don't think it's used accurately or appropriately mm,
0: mm, mm. what do you think tanzima do you think it's something that we should got, get rid of
2: yes i think i agree with rinda and yourself that it reduces so many of our experiences so like my identity, my background, my history as a Bangladeshi British woman is completely different to yours as a Sikh British woman and yours as a black woman. Um, And so to use that term, it completely eradicates our different struggles
1: Mm, um, mm. and our
2: identity and our cultures and things that help us navigate society and things that actually affect us. Um, Um, And so if we aren't addressing those specific things to do with our specific identities we aren't actually tackling the issues
0: absolutely
2: are completely different and so the solutions will be completely different too
0: totally and it's really important to talk about solutions because as we talk about struggle we always have to talk about solution because this isn't a one-way street and i think these conversations have to tackle those solutions quite practically for children under five so that we don't perpetuate this same kind of trope of well you know there's one way to tackle racism and this is what we're going to do um and i think some of the things that we've experienced as women who are all british born but come under you know this uh, an ethnic minority banner some of the things that have impacted me, like you said, Tanzima, haven't impacted you uh, and haven't impacted Verinda. So, Verinda, I just want to kind of talk about Sikh identity and the importance of that for you um, and how you value that within your, I guess, professional setting um, and your work.
1: Yeah, so um, the Sikh identity is, um, I remember writing my CV actually, I think, um, for I don't know whether it's my teacher training, but I did put that I identify myself as a Sikh, um, and that is the focal. It's the fundamental, you know, point of my being. Um, so the values of hard work, honesty, equality, um, compassion, truth, contentment. Um, there's so much I could list, but at the forefront of my profession is that I give the best that i can to all children and it's not just like a day job that i'm there from eight till four um i cater the education to their needs and um, seating plans you know uh how the tables are set out what we do on a daily basis my attitude my mannerisms and um, how i enforce um behavior um equality and then obviously then we can touch on sexism um prejudicial thoughts, racial comments. Um, and, you know, we refer to it as the hidden curriculum. So it's not necessarily the maths in English, but the manners, the behaviour, the structure that we teach the children for them to then become citizens in wider society. Uh, that is, so regardless of all the teacher training I've had and the qualifications and experience, being a sick has pushed me to do better and be more as an educator, as a classroom practitioner, um, and I think my faith has actually encouraged me to come into teaching because it's all about sharing, it's all about learning and um, being better, doing better, helping others. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. So it's something that I really connect with um, that has really supported me, encouraged me and pushed me to do better but not just for myself but others as well of all backgrounds um, of all for all communities and then it encourages me to support parents out of school life um, and just how I can really Holistically teach the child to mind, body, and soul. I I just
0: I love it. I I love that answer because don't you think it's interesting that when we are told about values, they're presented to us as you know the British values and what we associate with British doesn't often look like us because we're perpetuated um, this this image of whiteness. So when we even when we think about British in our subconscious. I mean, this is certainly for me. I don't know if it is for you, um, Tandemar and Verinda. What is, you know, drilled into the minds of me in my psyche is that British values. I would like to see myself as British, but there's something quite exclusionary about those values. But what Verinda's just spoken about are those values in terms of that relation to Sikhism. And I think that's really interesting how narratives are, are changed and turned. I don't know how you feel about that, in terms of the values
2: um, so yeah like the British values like you said there's sort of a disconnect between what does British values look like and you can't sort of relate to it I think up until very very recently even though I was born here even though I have British citizenship I have a red passport all that kind of stuff I did not feel that I could use the term British I to, like to connect it to myself or mm. even say that I belong here because mm. of the reactions of certain people when I'm saying oh I'm British but they're like but you're not white so that ignorance kind of was quite overt and it's a lot of people's thinking that British people is and British sorry as an identity is only white people Mm -hmm. even though I'm like being born here even though I'm I'm paying taxes I'm I'm a part of the society in every way Mm -hmm. that my white counterpart is because of my the colour of my skin I'm not Mm -hmm. seen as British so up until recently, I think I've become a lot more like I've taken ownership over it. I'm like, no, I am British. I am British. I am Bangladeshi. And those two, they aren't exclusive. They, mm-hmm. I can have them both interconnected. Um, and both of those play such a big, significant part of who I am as a person and how I am as an educator, because as like the culture that I bring from my Bangladeshi side, I can also implement into my education, into the way I teach, and also the British side British side as well. And manners and things like that that is connected to being British, I don't think that's true. I think that's part of all cultures. Mm, mm,
0: mm, so to, totally.
2: To only class it as British values, I think it's just it's a bit disrespectful mm, and very like reductive mm, mm. as well. Um yeah. So yeah, I think up until recently British and like, the identity, I've really taken it on um, and mm-hmm. kind of owned it. And I'm like, no, I belong here. This is my home. Um, and so I have a duty of making this home that I live in um, a better place for all children, all people.
0: Mm-hmm. Totally. And I think something around this term um, British, there'll be people who are listening who will be saying, well, that's rubbish. You know, that you are not British. That's you deciding that you don't feel British. Nobody's told you that British is equated with whiteness. And here's the clever, mm, I guess, way in which racism permeates our society, isn't it? Because it's uh, explicit. Sometimes it's in the very, very implicit as to how we construct this thing about and around race. So when we are thinking about British as a term and we're associating that with a particular colour of skin, we know the reason for that is because, and the narrative's fed to us around what British identity looks like. Um, and so I think as a Black woman, when I'm occupying the space of an educator, I know it is unusual to see a woman that looks like me in a leadership position, I know that it's unusual for a woman that looks like me to be informing a curriculum I know that it's unusual for a woman that looks like me to be presenting myself as, you know, a black nursery manager and using that term unapologetically. I say it all the time, but that's how important my cultural heritage, that informs everything that I do. So I think there's something quite divisive, I would agree, in using the term, you know, British for British values when the whole kind of umbrella of british has never really seemed like it accepts people and women so i think thinking about gender intersections as a woman in this sector how have you felt you know people have responded and reacted to you you have the intersection of race faith and then gender and verinda how have you found some of these experiences as a as a man
1: Um, I have found because um, I've been quite fortunate to work in um, a number of schools across the West Midlands so I've had a mixed response in some schools predominantly all educators are female Um, and then in some schools there's been like the odd one or two males Um, and I think as females in the experiences that I've had and I can only speak from those there's not necessarily we don't empower each other I think there's that lack of um, there's a lack of cooperation and, you know, having the same goal and pushing the children to do better, sharing ideas. There's a lot of, um, I can remember one school in particular, it was quite toxic and I never expected that. And I don't know whether I was naive Um again like say looking at the gender and then being one of the youngest in some of the schools I've worked at being brown being Mm -hmm. big and then on top of that obviously wearing a head covering it's like a whole you know whoa (laughs) Um, but I don't think there's that empowerment there's not sometimes that teamwork um it can be quite clicky um but I think as well depending on your own characteristics and your own personality um you can warm up to some people like even parents parents will come and approach you they might like i've been approached by parents where their children are not actually in my class mm-hmm. so they've come and spoken to me because they've felt that another um class teacher has been quite cold and not very approachable or and again that could be due to race because it's been an asian parent but i've also had parents that are off like a european background so maybe they can relate to me being brown or off another you know, background or not necessarily being white. And then they can connect and they speak to me. Um, I do find that schools could um, work a lot better, like teachers could work a lot better together if there was that sort of, if everyone had the same goal and they really wanted to push, you know, the children to the best that they could be, not just for the statistics and data, like the whole holistic approach again, embracing themselves, their identity. Um, but as educators, we need to also be educated about others um mm. and encouraging that confidence and accepting it and celebrating it. Um so there's been different I factors see. again with the age, the race, um and then it's quite I, I remember experiencing where it was quite toxic um and very clicky in some schools. Um and then again in some other schools. So when I was in early years, I was um, I got on really extremely well with um, a year four teacher and we would share ideas. So, even though I was teaching reception and she was in year four, but the co-worker who I was with, very cold, very hostile, um, just there for the day job, did not care about the children. Whereas the year four teacher, we had the same goal. She was there for the children, we discussed behaviour, different backgrounds. And there was a lot we could do to work together and really push the children. And... um, just embrace the whole education, um, settings.
0: And do you think that was specific to both of you being women? Were you both women? Um, or was it that you were, were you both brown women? Were, you know, what were, where were the intersections there that helped you to collaborate?
1: Um, okay. So there was an age difference of 20 years. Um, Mm. But we were about both both brown women. Um both Sikh. She's very different to me. She's got very short hair, she goes out drinking, all of that very opposite, but she identifies herself as a Sikh. She does say she's not practicing, but um, maybe yet being brown, again I just want to reiterate the twenty year difference because sometimes you can see that and think, Oh, there's a generational gap. Um, the co worker who was very cold and hostile, um, she was a white woman. Um, and I'm not disrespecting all white women by the way, but um, so I don't know
0: whether... They're and that- you don't have to put that disclaimer in there. You don't even have to put that disclaimer in because it's a given, you know, we are facing certain discriminatory behavior perpetuated by white women within educational spaces, you know, and anybody like listening who's listening to this and, you know, the shoes fitting and they're up in their feelings and they're feeling fragile about that, that is their business, you know? Like, it's not for us to apologize or say, we don't mean all white women like we would never talk about uh, sexism and say you know this is not all men but we are aware that men are quite often the perpetrators uh, of sexual violence against women so we have to think about changing our language sorry to cut you Brenda but yeah, i just feel no, no, strongly that's,
1: that's about that I, I totally agree that is <laughs> a valid point because see i think we sometimes think oh no it's not everyone but every the other, pe- other people do not have that perception or that point of view. Oh, it's do you know what I mean? Again, it's like how you said, the BAME, we're all just branded together just because we're all people of color. Oh, the BAME teachers, the BAME children, the BAME citizens. So, um, but yeah, so I thought it was just maybe we were both off, um, yeah, a brown background, um, Sikh families, um, again, cultural differences, but I think with the same goal and thrive to, um, really, really, um, we, we were there for our job We were there for a yeah, practitioner,
0: yeah. classroom educator so. So, Tanzima, what do you think in terms of like gender for you um, And also gender expression I know people can't see us you know, They're listening to us um, People can't see visual representations But visual representations of gender are really important And I think visual representations of womanhood Are also very important So I think, Tansima, if you, you know what have been your experiences as a as a Bangladeshi woman? So in these spaces,
2: um, come to think of it, I've had a Muslim up- upbringing, Um mm. my parents are Muslim presenting in the sense that they have my mum wears a hijab, my dad has a beard. Um, I, I live that
0: Muslim presenting.
2: Yeah, Muslim presenting, and they're both practicing. Whereas even though I had a Muslim upbringing, I'm not entirely sure I identify with it, but I. Can imagine if I was a Muslim presenting woman and I wore a hijab, my experience would be completely different to how I present myself now. Um, and this intersects with Islamophobia uh, in the education set-, set in settings and British society. So that's another form of racism. Um, but even being a brown woman in a setting. I'm, I'm lucky enough that where I work at the moment is quite diverse in terms of the staff, um, the management, and we've only, we've also got two men uh, working in my setting as well. Um, but like Verinda said, there, there are moments and where there's toxicity and quite cliquey uh, vibes. And I think that's down to internalised misogyny. Mm, it's sort We're always competing rather than elevating each other, rather than coming together, sisterhood, etc. Kind of really amplifying each other's voices um, and making the main goal uh, to educate our children and to give them the best opportunities and the best education that we can and the best care. Um, But we get caught up with all of this ingrained, internalised misogyny. Mm-hmm. um which is such a shame because as individuals that, like my colleagues we have so much to give and we have so much knowledge and tools and as practitioners individually i can't fault any of the people that i work with but unfortunately because of those toxicities um it it, le- it can let us down sometimes
0: mm-hmm. um, i love I think, that yeah. Sorry, I cut your flow, but I just thought about you talking about internalised misogyny and it's the same kind of thing that we think about looking at how much, and I said about this in the conversation with Jane Lane, how much patriarchy plays a role in positioning us and keeping us in order, keeping us in a box and then teaching us to dislike one another because of the gender that we share. So, you know, we then say these things like women are clicky or women are bitchy or women are, you know, backbiting. And then we have to check ourselves with that internalized misogyny because it plays a big part in how we operate as women in a uh, female dominated industry, which is the sector that we work in, Uh, is um, teaching, reception teaching, particularly, I think we have to really take stock of what it is that we think and think it. And I think this links into this process of learning because now we're talking about race and race conversations become the forefront of lots of things that are happening. And we're often met with, I don't want to get it wrong. I'm scared of saying the wrong thing. I'm scared of offending, you know, I'm going to have to search internally now around my own feelings about race and what I might have said in the past. And I just think that's really kind of, I guess it, it, it relates, doesn't it? You think about, as I said, internalised misogyny and we think about, you know, internalised racism. It's so deeply ingrained within us. We could all say that we're lovely women, <laughs> but then we could go out and be like, well, I don't know about her. I don't really like women. You know, I prefer being with guys. I prefer having friends, you know, S- speak to that how you know what do you think of that either do, one of you sorry
1: sorry i do find you know yeah. when we say um i try you know i find oh when people say like i remember in college said, i find um i don't really have indian friends because indian girls are um are, I don't
0: know what the other word is. <laughs> you
1: know, it's totally something of that you hear, isn't it? Yeah, I just, let say catty, I'm <laughs> sure everyone yeah. knows. Then it's like, well, you're an Indian girl. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, saying, like, oh, women who, oh, oh, women are so catty or um, can be high maintenance and stuff. Then it's like, but then you need, to, like you said, reel back in. But you are a woman, so you're saying women are like that. So you don't, do you know what I mean? Again, it's not all it's a why, why do we think that? Why do we think a certain um gender or even then breaking it down to certain racial like backgrounds that those women Mm -hmm. are like what how do you speculate that or where does that come from because you happen to meet one or two or you've experienced it um Mm -hmm. but don't let that experience then define that whole bunch of whether that's women um again certain racial backgrounds yeah i mean that cannot that one event or that one person cannot signify the whole group of people. I totally.
0: talked about, you know, um, Muslim presenting, you know, not wearing a hijab. These things are really interesting when we look at, say, like the narrative around being a good immigrant um, and model minority. And what that means, because I think there's a lot of internalised feelings around that when it comes to looking at the intersection of race, when it comes to Black African Caribbean um, and Asian, Indian. It is, I remember something that my parents said to me, particularly my dad, around relationships and who it would be best to sit next to in school to get the right kind of influence. Make sure you speak to Jivan, Make sure you speak to Sonia. Make sure you speak to Samavia. Make sure you sit next to them because in his mind, the perception was model minority, studying, learning. And by him not saying black girls are this, that, the other, I might have him, okay, well, if that means X, then this means Y. Do you know what I mean, Sandra? I just think what you said about how you present feeds into a perception of what people believe Muslim girls to look like yep. or to behave like?
2: Yeah, because um, with the Muslim identity, especially women, uh, we have such an ingrained stereotype in our heads that when Muslim women, ones who wear hijabs um, or niqabs are uh, obedient, don't have a voice, aren't educated, um, are oppressed. and these cannot be so far from the truth. If you actually spoke to a a woman who was um, identified as Muslim and she was a Muslim presenting woman, a practicing Muslim, if you actually had a conversation with her, you'd realize all of these stereotypes are so toxic and so Mm -hmm. far from the truth. And I think, obviously I don't want to speak for Verinda, but I assume that's the same for Sikh women who are Sikh presenting as well. Um, If they have like those kind of uh, toxic stereotypes attached to them. Um, Because we're so, there's just so much ingrained racism within us and how we perceive uh, women who cover up um, and all the stereotypes that come with that and the Islamophobia um, that is attached to it.
1: Personally, I think with the Sikh women um again it's different experiences, so you might have experienced someone thinking, "Oh, because you wear a head covering or you're a practicing Sikh and you've been it's been enforced on you and whatever have you in there um yeah it's quite male dominated but then again, with different experiences like a Sikh woman practicing Sikh woman in Siki um you know we will have the perception people think she's liberated. do you know what I mean so like um a case for practicing Sikh woman, she wears um a turban or a headscarf she wears a good one you know and it's, she must be liberated she must be like connected with god or d- the divine like she's a sovereign um being so again it's different experiences because that but that's us speaking do you know what i mean so someone else who maybe from a white background the world thinks oh why do women have to do that why do women oh, they don't have a choice and um, do you know what i mean i've experienced it because it's like did you get um asked to do that or do, did you have a choice do you have to do that but then it's like so again different experiences different backgrounds and it's I think sometimes it's ignorance as well yeah. and people's knowledge and understanding and the education there's so many different factors that play a part but then like from my I say I will say that being a Sikh man I'm liberated with my Sikh brothers and sisters um within the British you know um community or whatever have you I would that's but that's my experience where someone else will think oh they don't have a choice or they have to do like you said they're uneducated or you know if you were to look at my mom um she looks like a you know very traditional um but when people hear my mom's speech she's got a proper black country accent like she's been you know what I mean <laughs> from all sorts of stereotypes it's like my mom like she is the definition of liberation to me like you know being that sovereign being courageous being brave you know like and that's what I find the beauty of Siki. but again people who don't know that um, coming from a different background they'll just think like you said they're oppressed or they have to do that they just cook they clean and mm. xyz so it is quite it's quite mm, interesting and you know, yeah process. it's just-
0: Yeah, but I think these are the reasons why we have to myth bust because there'll be a lot of women who are listening to this who will instantly be like, yes, this is exactly what it is. Definitely, they understand the power of the narrative and why our narratives must be pushed to the forefront because it's not good enough to have white people or other groups represent and tell our stories. We all have our own mouths. We all have our own experiences and we all have agency to present our lived experiences. I can see her like you're eager to be like, yeah, yeah. I'm,
1: I'm <laughs> what are you going to no, say? I yeah. agree. Sometimes we think, oh, it's like this podcast is great, but, um, but with thanks to Kerry and Kay, obviously now it will reach so many more others. But whereas if it was just ourselves that had set it up and we're having the conversations, it's that mm-hmm. sort of that privilege? Like, okay, we need you to empower us and embrace us, but then don't take things away from, so like you said, we don't need white people to tell you this 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 like the white supremacy or you know it's like we need that um that approval or that oh how can they define it for us like again Mm -hmm. just even something so simple the term Sikhism the religion is you know I I identify as a Sikh my faith is Sikhism has obviously due to colonializing has just been added to like um, buddhism Judaism, is a veganism so it's just there's so much to like unravel and it's like you said these narratives yeah we do need to have them and again they'll be so accessible and people will be like yes i completely agree we don't we can empower ourselves and you know empower others with us and embrace it all instead of having to actually can i say that well you know is that how it's termed or will people Tone. understand yeah, totally
0: terms about in your Nursery setting, because I know that you're working in a nursery setting. Do you feel like people are ready to have these conversations now when it comes to shaping children's views, perceptions and experiences?
2: Um, I'd like to say I'm really, really hopeful uh, just because the other day after our phone call um, about arranging this uh, podcast meeting, um, I garnered a courage to actually go directly speak to management and just be like I'm going on this podcast it's about racial equality in the early years um and just some of the concerns that I've got in our own setting um because it's all great and stuff I'm coming on here I'm I'm amplifying voices of South Asian Bangladeshi women etc but if I'm not putting in the work in my own setting and I'm not making changes in in the space that I'm working for long hours a day like Monday to Friday um, and it's going to actually directly impact the children what's the point of doing this podcast it, it just doesn't hold meaning and I'm not putting my actual work in and then I have to reflect on my intentions of being part of this podcast so it gave me the courage to go and speak to the management within my workplace and honestly the conversation that it generated um, was so incredible and um, it basically ended up being conversation about what we're not doing, that we're not doing enough, um, and our downfalls, um, and how we haven't been reflecting, we haven't been talking about these things, and um, moving on, how are we gonna counteract this? And the um, management even said, like, they don't wanna do something like a, like a checklist. So it's like, okay, let's add more diverse books, let's add props. It has to be meaningful we have to know the meaning behind it we have to really educate ourselves and none of this can be done unless as educators we are willing to learn willing to be called out willing to educate ourselves um, and really unlearn any toxic thinking and biases that we have and then learn new practices that are anti-racist and then create an environment that is anti-racist so yeah i'm feeling really hopeful because it's generated this conversation and hopefully um, i'm gonna be brainstorming and what i can do to bring it into the workplace and then kind of um just create a space with all of my colleagues like a safe space where we can discuss these things and find what we can customize and fit into our workplace and and just have those uncomfortable conversations but well needed conversations um to really kind of rethink what we're doing and really, really reflect um, on everything that we've done and what we're going to continue doing.
0: It's so interesting because early years often talks about reflective practice and we realise now that in itself, that term has become redundant because Mm -hmm. it's not reflective. It's not something that we're actively choosing to do and we must do it. So I think it's really, it's great that you're saying um, these things and saying that action will be taken moving forward that we even if it's just as a collective as the three of us we will always kind of touch base now we have each other's numbers we're on each other's social medias we will have these conversations i'll randomly phone Verinda again i'm making saturday soup (laughs) you know i i I will have these conversations (laughs) but also just ask for your input as well because as i said at the start this umbrella that people white people have conveniently used to siphon us off we are using this opportunity to dig deep um and i spoke a little bit about friends and travel i spoke to Verinder about this and i think is saying to you about the importance of having deep meaningful relationships with people who do not share your ethnicity who do not share your culture and who do not share your faith having friendships and traveling not for the colonial experience not to be a aware, not to go and be like oh I went there once like I, I went to Goa it was fantastic like no we're not talking about when you went to Goa um we're not talking about that time that you went to Bangladesh we're not talking about the time you went to Ghana and you helped the black children to read or you built them a library we're not talking, you about, the we're talking about experience <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> the elephant do you know what I mean um we have to move away from that because that in itself is a, is a form of white savior complex and it's very dangerous because it builds again and feeds into the same narrative of poor us. We need saving. We need helping. We need educating. Um, is just rolling her eyes and it's so <laughs> because it's important to, you know, move away from that. Travel is key and having friendships that are really rooted in a mutual respect and an actual mutual love of one another, aside from everything else, are the starting points. And um, I am aware that time is kind of... But before we end, one thing that I really think we need to touch on, and we have to have a conversation on before we kind of close this, is anti-blackness. It's, it's really been prevalent for me to have these conversations with my own friends who are from South Asian backgrounds around prevalence and the existence of anti-blackness within South Asian communities because again it's a conversation that I don't think white people will have been privy to and again it's not that I want you to be listening to this to be like oh I listened to a podcast once and they spoke about anti-blackness within South Asian communities but it's to get a real perspective on what that means and what you think it's rooted in. Um, Tanzima, what do you think about that?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, anti-blackness in the South Asian community, especially the Bangladeshi community that I can speak for, um, it is, it's is—it's so toxic and so ingrained. Um, whether it's colorism, like promoting skin lightening products, uh, whether it's looking down on black communities and then attaching, um, toxic stereotypes and that they're all violent etc, really feeds into the racism that's very apparent and abhorrent in our society. Um, And I guess if you look into the history, it is to do with colonialism, but it is also, it was present before colonialism. Um, So we can't just purely put it down to British Empire, it is ingrained in us and so we need to put the work in. Uh, We need to be having, again, conversations with family members, our friends, um, because the way it's kind of reproduced itself in my generation I'd say is that my brown counterparts, my brown friends, uh, some of them might only exclusively date black men and so there's the fetish- fetishization of black men, the exotifying of the black body um, and reducing them to being objectified um, and nothing else and Then there's a flip side i have brown friends who would never ever ever date black men or black women and then again that's you're attaching all of these european western beauty standards and completely ignoring an entire diverse race because of these stereotypes that you have in your head to do with beauty so it's attaching things like the black body is ugly it's undesirable. And so that's a flip side to exotifying black body. And that's just as toxic um, to things like saying the N word, even if you do l- listen to music by black artists, you might love their music, you might love the culture, etc. but you have no right to say the N word mm. um, and things like that. And as a brown community, I think we really need to be having these again, comfort- comfortable conversation and really be having like a, a sit down, I'm not saying be aggressive, et cetera, really connect to our with our own people in our own spaces where there aren 't black voices, where mm. there isn't Liz present in mm. in those spaces behind closed doors um mm. where there aren 't any black people uh mm. present, we really have to amplify those voices and put in the work to fight mm. against and anti blackness within our own societies um
0: And it works both ways Tanzima as well because equally in the same way that you will make sure that you are quote unquote doing the work is the same way in which I will be encouraging black communities Black African Caribbean, Black African friends, to not be using harmful language, that we do not refer to a group of brown people by using the P word, that we do not demoralize or diminish people's experience within South Asian community as being, they've taken all the business away. Because of them, we can't go to this shop, and it's only that shop that sells Caribbean food, and it's owned by Mr. Khan, or it's owned by Mr. Singh. And then everybody in the brown community is targeted now as being, you're the people have taken business away from us and so it's also about a reverse of that conversation looking at how black communities speak about brown communities you know and so i just wanted to put that in for the it's important to have it's important to have balance it's important not to have this one-sided thing where it's wow there's anti-blackness within the south asian community actually there's a lot of anti-Asian sentiment within black communities as well. That gets spoken about behind closed doors. Um, Verinda, what's your view?
1: Um, I completely agree with what you have both said. And again, it's falling into that trap. Like, you know how you said about the travel, don't just travel there for the culture and the Instagram post. It's like we're falling into that trap of, oh, we've heard this um like you said the european standards the western standards the comments that are made and you know what it's so cleverly done and it's um it's been ingrained and you know like how certain advertisements are shown and children's books and you know disney films like for one when there's an evil character you know they're somewhat darker and you know what it just goes even like further back to um jesus's images where jesus is shown as a white male but if jesus comes from um the Middle East, well, would he have looked like that? So, Did you know, there's so many different factors that have yeah. and it's so cleverly and systematically done, so even on social media, TV, and so many years and years, decades, centuries ago, that now we've got to all unlearn, And um, but like you said, the anti-blackness, the anti-Asian um, comments, and it's sort of like, then we're all grouped, again, as B-A-M-E, <laughs> B-A. but then do you know what I mean? You group, but then we're separated and like we're diverse yeah. and like, divided amongst ourselves. So we're all grouped and or we're all ethnic and exotic. Exactly. Exotic.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's always this othering, always this othering. And I just think to bring it back to early years, to bring it back to children under five. Having these conversations will inform people about what the internalized notions of of race mean to so many children, you know, before they've even got to secondary and primary school, before they've even got out of the house. Because we as communities, we as adults, we as people, we as educators, we hold these things. We have them so it's obvious that we're only you know we 're going to pass them down through generations if we 're not actively thinking about unlearning those things, so I think it's excellent to speak about these things. I am really appreciative that both of you have been so free and open and generous with your time um, and also just for showing me um, a level of love um and responsiveness because neither of you had to speak to me when i was like guys hi do you want to be my
2: friend <laughs>
0: like you know you both could have been like this but manager lady is absolutely wacky racers but um you know i really appreciate it i really really do so thank you so much ladies thank you
1: yeah no
2: thank you You're i'm creating this space and um yeah like hearing your powerful words and the strength in your words i think it's literally like set a fire in me or and i'm sure other people as well to really kind of remind ourselves and ground ourselves that what we're doing we need to continue doing even when there's a block even when there's negative comments even when there's something coming in the way when there's people who are like well i'm not racist and kind of just disregard the conversation um or i see color i don't see color um and we all bleed red like completely disregarding the conversations hearing and seeing the work that you're putting in and opening up this space i think has put in so much strength in people like me and other people who are listening and watching and thank you so much honestly thank you so much
0: behave 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 thank you
1: <laughs> it's like i was saying to you liz when we first spoke on instagram i said um i can relate and then i retracted that I said i can somewhat relate so again the experiences you've had and then i like you know listen to the content that you put on Instagram and I was like oh my god yes and then sometimes we think actually is anyone going to listen if I open up so then you doing that again it's embracing and empowering each other um so sharing with each other the different experiences we've had um and then how can we now step forward and you know do something about this as our roles as educators inform others and again others need to be willing to listen and um, as Tansmia said, have those uncomfortable conversations, and um, all the unlearning and the processing, and then being mindful of the children we've got, ha- we've got as educators, the language we use, the stereotypes that we might hold. Um, again, working and connecting with parents and other educators, and you know, making positive um, steps forward.
0: Totally. Thanks, ladies. Bye. Bye.
1: See you. Bye.